Well, what a prayer. Holy Spirit, come, breath of heaven, breathe on us. You know, we can't pray that prayer just sitting down. Let's stand up. Uh, You know, it's Wednesday, and there's a reason the churches have services on Wednesday. It's the middle of the week. It's like the 50-yard line of the week. You have started the week. You're halfway through. The weekend's coming. We know how much people love Fridays. And we know how difficult, they say the most difficult week or day of the week for most people to live is Tuesday. Uh, Because you're not quite at the middle of the week, it's Tuesday. Well, the Holy Spirit wants to fill us on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, all through the week. He wants to fill us. And we know that uh, Easter, we celebrated the resurrection. Now, we celebrate it once a year because we commemorate it, but we should experience it every day. Uh, Paul said, we have been risen with Christ. Uh, He said, I've been crucified with Christ, but he also said, I've been risen with Christ. So would you lift your hands with me to the Lord and invite him by his spirit to come? Lord, we hunger for you. We thirst for you. We need you, Lord. We are desperate for the life of God. Lord, the very spirit that filled us when we first gave our hearts to you, we need your spirit to live every day so that we not only are Christian by persuasion, but we're Christian by commitment. We're not only Christian in our our lives, but in the fullness of our lives. And Lord, we pray that your spirit would come tonight that you would bring a word to us from your throne that will fill us and will direct us in your purpose and your plan. Lord, as we end this service a little bit later tonight with prayer, I pray that your spirit in these moments would speak to the needs of our lives and that you would, by your word, by your spirit, by divine direction, communicate what you once said. And we believe it for it. And we praise you, and everyone said, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Well, Water Baptism Sunday is coming up, and that's exciting, because water baptism is an object lesson, if you will, of what? Dying with Christ and resurrecting with Christ. Uh, Believe it or not, tomorrow afternoon, I'll be in the pool at Southeastern, at the pool in Southeastern, leading a class of ministry students and teaching them how to do water baptism. Uh, Because we don't want a ministry student to graduate Southeastern without actually baptizing someone. So uh, there will be students tomorrow that will be baptized one time, two times, three times, five times, uh, as they learn how to do this. And they learn the significance of it and they live it out. So we uh, are excited about all the people that will be water baptized uh, here uh, and on the South Campus on Sunday. And uh, whether uh, whichever location you're attending, I encourage you to be really attentive to that and celebrate with every person that comes out of the water. Uh, I suppose if they don't come out of the water, you better really pray. Uh, but, but it'll be a great day on Sunday, and glad to hear that ad is coming up. I want to talk to you tonight about something as I prayed that I just really felt the Lord directed me to. 
And I trust that this is for, for some people that are here tonight that God's wanting to bring a word to you. And it's this, confident in Christ. Confident in Christ. What does it mean to be a Christian? And then what does it mean to be a Christian who has a confidence in Christ? Who walks in confidence? You know, the Bible talks about in Hebrews to hold on to your confidence. Don't let your confidence go. Uh, confidence is something that is built and developed. There are people that do things that, that we're amazed at what they're able to do, and we say, how would I ever be able to do that? Uh, Pastor Jeff, when Tiger Woods won the Masters again, uh, you know, I, I got home that afternoon and I turned it on when he was on the, about the 14th hole, and I thought, maybe I want to watch a little bit of this. Maybe this could be historic. And you look at the way people like him play, and someone that plays very little like me, it's sort of hard to imagine being able to play so well. But with him, when he's in what uh, neurologists tell us are, is a state of flow, and what that means is when you're doing something that you become so trained in that you're almost unaware of yourself because you're just in the moment, whatever it is. And that could be a teacher that is here. That could be somebody that, that, uh, that manages a plant. It could be somebody that is in the military or serving in a number of different ways. And you're just in your zone. You're capable. Well, you didn't start that way. It's sort of like my... My grandkids, no, we, we have to use our grandkids as uh, illustrations. Uh, Pastor Jeff has taught me how to do that. <laughs> um, our three-year-old grandson, you know, uh, about a year and a half ago, he started to walk. Well, when he first started to walk, it was frightening because every step that he took, he looked like he was drunk. You know, he sort of, you know, every step, one foot planted ahead was a big accomplishment. And what do we do with children? When they walk, they take a step and we just celebrate like crazy. And what happens? Their confidence is built. And they do it again because they like the applause. And it feels good to become mobile. And their confidence builds. Well, it's the same way in living the Christian faith. When you're new to Christ, when you're a new babe in Christ, and maybe you're with a couple of people and they ask you to pray over a meal, and you think, oh, I don't know if I, you know, could do that, or I don't know that I would say the right words. But then you begin to realize that it's more about the relationship. It's not about impressing God with words, but it's about it coming out of your heart. It's about loving him and knowing him. And more and more, there's a flow to the relationship that develops, and there's a confidence that grows. Well, God not only wants you and me to be Christians, he wants us to be confident. Christians. Confident. This is so important because you see a lost world needs for the church to be confident because we have a message that needs to be communicated with confidence, not arrogance. There's a difference, but confidence. The Bible says a lot about this. It, it speaks to us about it. You know, I remember when I was a youth pastor several years ago, we were in Detroit. Uh, I was actually a youth pastor in upstate New York, and I took a group of young people to Detroit to do an outreach. They did a drama presentation that we toured with, and then we, we uh, preached the gospel and invited people to receive Christ. 
Well, we had an opportunity to minister in an inner city facility in uh, Detroit. And I remember, I believe the event was scheduled for 7 p.m. And about 7.05, nobody had showed up. 7.10, no one. And we had all these props and students and the stage, also everything ready to go. And the director said, oh, you don't understand. We're on urban time here. They'll get here when they get here. And sure enough, within about 10, 15 minutes, the room filled up with teenagers. But not just teenagers, most of them gang members. And they had come in to check out this thing that had been promoted that was going on. And some of them had beepers that they used for some of the, the drug deals. These leaders that were there filled me in on this. And I have to tell you, suddenly, I felt very suburbanite. <laughs> suddenly, growing up, you know, in a uh, middle-class family in the suburbs of Columbia, South Carolina, became a, very, a major reality to me. And I mean, these guys came in, and they were cool. They're sort of walking, and sort of had a swag, you know, the way they walked, and the entourages came in. And I knew that at the end of this presentation that I was going to be the one to get up and give an altar call to remind these young people that they were lost without God, that they were sinners who needed to be forgiven. And I have to tell you, what I was feeling in that moment was not confidence. It was the opposite of confidence. I was sort of feeling like, Lord, why do you have me here? Why don't you have someone here who grew up in the inner city? Uh, you know, God called me to, to youth pastor a church in the inner city in upstate New York. We were there for almost 10 years. Uh, and when we, were, when we came there, we realized how ill-equipped we were for that opportunity. So there I am, just feeling very uncertain. What do I do? So the only thing that I knew to do was what? To pray. Lord, you know, suddenly I began, and it's funny because the, the, the presentation that we were doing was based on the story of Elijah. Elijah, who went to a mountain and confronted the false prophets of the day. We wrote a youth musical called Contest at Carmel High. And it was about students on a high school campus trying to live their faith in the midst of a lot of difficulty, a lot of detractors. And so I'm on the sidelines, and I, I'm just praying. Lord, I don't know what to do, but I'm praying. Not only did I pray, I began to pray under my breath in the Spirit. I began to pray in tongues. Uh, you know, there, there are times when I just don't know what to pray. But I feel like the Holy Spirit knows. And the Scripture does talk about praying in the Spirit. And I believe praying in the Spirit can be praying in tongues, I think it also means to be led by the Spirit when we pray. You know, have you ever been in a prayer circle with a group of people? And people are praying, but they're sort of praying perfunctory prayers. Lord, bless this person, help this person, do this, do that. And then suddenly somebody begins to pray, and you feel like they've caught something that is on the heart of God. And the presence of God comes in the room. I remember when I was with a group of people and an older man began to say, Lord, your word says, call to me and I will show you great and unsearchable things that you know not. And when he said that, it was like the presence of God filled the room. And I believe that man was praying in the spirit. I believe he was praying 
in the direction of the Spirit of God. The Bible says that the Spirit is always interceding for us. So the Spirit, the Bible says, searches the deep things of God and the deep needs of people. So he is ever, isn't it great to know that the Spirit of God right now is interceding for you and me. He's aware of the throne of the Father and he's aware of the depths of your soul and he's interceding even now. When we pray in the Spirit, we step into that, but for a moment, and we pray what is on the heart of God. And somehow I felt the presence of God. I was still sort of shaking in my boots. I didn't quite know what I was going to say, and I was waiting because it would be several minutes before I would, I would stand up to speak. I needed something. I needed God. Mark Twain said, all you need in this life is ignorance and confidence. Then success is sure. All you need is ignorance and confidence. One of the toughest things to teach students in a university when they graduate is that they don't know what they don't know. Because you see, we, we credential them and we celebrate them and we uh, have a commencement event for them and we tell them how wonderful they are and they truly are. But it's so important as they enter into life that with all that they do know, that they know what they don't know. So that they can learn and grow and be changed. What about you? What's an area in your life where you lack confidence? You can really be honest. Suddenly all the men sort of wanted to tune out. You know, because we men, I mean, we, we wrestle with our egos. Somebody has said ego is edging God out. And, you know, we, we can get very riveted on accomplishments. Uh, often, generally speaking, women are more tuned in to connections among people uh, and how people identify and relate to one another. But what is an area, men and women, that you would say, this is an area that I lack confidence in, but I believe the Lord wants to help me. I believe the Lord wants me to step up. One of the most uh, <clears throat> shocking statistics in our world today is the rate of anxiety among young people. Uh, it has skyrocketed. Um, the use of medication for anxiety and depression has just gone so far up in our culture. Uh, some of the most recent statistics that, I that I've read by the National Institute of Mental Health have said that approximately 40 million adults between the ages of 18 to 54 in the United States deal with anxiety disorders of one kind or another. And the estimates are that that's probably low and that it is probably more like 30% of our culture. I will tell you, in working with young people, millennials, now Gen X, that are coming to a university, to uh, Southeastern, you will often hear young people narrate the fact that they deal with anxiety. Uh, it's an issue that needs to concern every parent. Because with our children, if there's one thing that we want them to have, not only is Christ, but a confidence in Christ. Can you say amen? amen? We want them to be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. We want them to know how to live their faith out as God would lead them. 
Another statistic said that 41% of employees from a range of industries reported high levels of anxiety in the workplace, working to manage anxiety through their day-in and day-out job. More than half of college students have sought help for their anxiety issue. This is the Institute of Mental Health. More than half of college students in one way or another have sought for help in the area of anxiety. Now in the middle of it, we hear the words of Jesus. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. Peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you. Let your heart not be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And yet many hearts are troubled. Many are afraid. Some seek treatment. Probably uh, one of the estimates that I read is probably 10% of those that seek treatment uh, stay with it long enough to get the treatment that they really need. Well, I wonder, does the Bible reveal to you and me anything about confidence and avoidance of anxiety? Because for the world to feel the peace of God, wouldn't it be important that Christians are experiencing the peace of God? For the world to experience the Spirit of God leading and guiding us in our lives and their lives, doesn't the Holy Spirit want to work that within us? So really, the interior of the heart and the life of the believer has much to do with the type of witness that we're going to give in the world around us. God wants us to live lives that are attractive to the lost. Not attractive by our socioeconomic level, not attractive by all that we have and own, but attractive by the Spirit of Christ that is working within us. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. And against that, there is no law. Well, one man in Scripture certainly exhibited confidence. One individual. 1 Samuel 17, 32. I'm going to uh, just read a portion of this very familiar story. Don't worry about this Philistine, David told Saul. I'll go fight him. Don't be ridiculous, Saul replied. There's no way you can fight this Philistine and possibly win. You're only a what? A boy. And he's been a man of war since his youth. In other words, he was a man before he was even the age of a man. But David persisted. I have been taking care of my father's sheep and goats, he said. When a lion or a bear comes to steal a lamb from the flock, I go after it with a club and rescue the lamb from its mouth. If the animal turns on me, I catch it by the jaw and I club it to death. I have done this to both lions and bears, and I'll do it to this pagan Philistine too, for he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the claws of the lion and the bear will rescue me from this Philistine. Saul finally consented. All right, go ahead, he said. And you can almost hear the tone of his voice, may the Lord be with you. In other words, this sounds like an impossible task. You know, when you look at all that Saul told David he could not do and what he wouldn't be able to do, 
It seems like a lot of that, for many people, would have talked them out of it. They would have said, oh, you're right. I am just a boy. Or you're right. Who am I to think that I could go up against this Philistine? You are right. I should probably rethink this. You're right. Instead of the boldness and faith that I just said, I probably ought to be anxious and worried and hesitant and reluctant. Do you see the, the, the dialogue going on of faith and doubt, of confidence and insecurity? Isn't this somewhat of the script that can play out in our lives where the Lord will prompt us to do things for Him and for His kingdom? And we'll begin to reason. We'll begin to, almost like uh, Satan tried to reason with, with Eve, uh, reasoning, eh, but what will happen, and will God really do this? And, and we move into that natural place instead of the supernatural leading of faith in our lives. Hebrews says, we have come to share in Christ if we hold firmly till the end the confidence that we had at first. How many of you remember when you first became a follower of Jesus? Put your hand up. You first became a follower of Jesus. I'll never forget it. 16, it was the week before I turned 16. And because I had never tasted of the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, the love of God, in that dimension, it changed me. It changed the way I looked at life. It changed the way I looked at people. But you know what I've noticed is so easy to lose that sense of joy. It's so easy to lose that sense of love. It's so easy to pull away from that that sense of closeness. You know, it, uh, it reminds me of another relationship in my life, my relationship with my wife, whom I dearly love. Seven years into our marriage, I was all about working and busy, doing, 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 doing. And she sort of felt that, that uh, life had become, our home had become a bit like a hotel that I checked in and out of. And little by little, I began to realize what she was telling me is she was asking, what happened to that first love that we had? What happened to that first love? And you remember when um, Jesus spoke to the churches, he spoke and he said, you have left your first love. So the need to rekindle that love, to rekindle that. And you say, well, how do you do that? You know how we do it, by spending time, by spending time. Have you noticed whenever you have to buy a car and you start looking at a certain type of car and you tell people, you know, those cars are all over the place. I see them everywhere now. It's almost like because you're looking at this car, they suddenly magically appeared. (laughs) No, it's because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where you invest yourself, your heart will be. And what what does the Bible say? Draw near to God and he'll what? He'll draw near to you. Donald Miller said, if we knew how deeply God loved all of us, how much he radically cares for us and our needs, we would talk to him all day long. We would talk with him all day long because we would realize that no one is for us the way he is. Well, what is confidence? You know, I looked it up just to see what the definition of confidence, because it's one of those things I believe we know when we feel it, and we know when we don't feel it. We know when we're lacking confidence. We all know what that feels like. 
And I was feeling that that night in that auditorium with all those, you know, students, urban students that were there. And they were cool and, you know, it's like a hip-hop crowd. And I was, I just didn't feel equipped. And I'm praying. Well, here's the definition. The feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something. The feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something. Now, don't we want that in our lives? Don't we want that in our friendships? Don't we want that in our homes? Don't we want that in our working relationships? The feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something. Do you know when you read John's gospel over and over again, it says believe, 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 believe. First John, second John, third John, believe, believe. When you look at the meaning of that word, that Greek word, it really means to rely on, to rely on. You, you've read the word uh, in uh, John's gospel, abide. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you will, it will be done for you. Jesus says, rely on me, lean on me, put the weight of your person uh, on me. You know, we want the will of God. We pray and we, we ask God for opportunities. And hey, I've, I've done that. I've, I've prayed often, Lord, I just want to be used of you. Open the doors you want me to walk through. There may be some of you here and you're serving in an area of victory and, and you just want to serve there more. Or maybe you feel God's leading you to serve in a different way in victory or a different level in ministry or something he's calling you to do. And you pray about that. But do you know, you and I need a lot more than opportunities. We need confidence. We need confidence. Because for the opportunity to come, partly what we have to ask ourselves is are we living the current opportunity that God has given us with confidence? And I'm talking about confidence in Christ. And let's, let's talk about that for a moment. You know, our confidence is in Him, who He is. Uh, one writer that I sort of can't get enough of reading lately is uh, Andrew Murray. Andrew Murray, uh, the, the late Scottish pastor who traveled all over Europe and all over South America, I mean, uh, South Africa, and ministered the Word of God. You know, he said that when we pray, do you realize that when you pray, you are attached to the omnipotence of God? I preached a sermon here a few months ago, and I said, you know, faith is not just believing. Faith is believing that God can do anything right here and right now. Faith is more than believing. A lot of people believe. And it's not even just believing in God. It's believing that God can do anything right here, right now. And that's what Murray, I believe, is trying to say. Do you realize when you pray that you're taking hold of the omnipotence of God? Remember when Jesus said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. That doesn't mean that we control God. That means what matters the most is not how much you have. It's how great he is. Did you hear what I said? What matters the most is not how much you have. It's how great he is. It's not how talented you are. It's how powerful he is. David, David only needed five rocks, and he only used one of them. 
and look at what God did. You say, well, where does confidence come from? And confidence in Christ, where does it come from? It comes in knowing him better. Um, one writer, Mark Batterson, talked about how we, uh, we often will talk about a, uh, a challenge that we go through, and we'll say, Lord, I want you to change my challenges because they're difficult. And instead of that, God's wanting to use the challenge to change you, to change me, to change us. And when we go through those, the, the easiest question to ask is why, God, why? The tougher one to ask is what? What are you doing through this, God? What is it you're wanting me to learn? Confidence. Parents can call it out in you. Friends can call it out in you. God calls it out in us. Confidence in Jesus. He's worthy of our confidence. And could I say that confidence is not arrogance. Have you ever met someone that seemed to be kind of arrogant in their spirituality? Sort of almost showing off instead of sharing life? Confidence is not arrogance. Confidence is not being cocky. It's not false humility. It's not, it's not something goofy or lighthearted. Confidence is boldness plus humility. It's boldness plus humility. Uh, Proverbs says, in the fear of the Lord, one has strong confidence. I love that. In the fear of God, one has strong confidence. In other words, when we see how great God is, we see how much our challenges pale in light of it. Do you think Jesus was confident? What do you think? Do you think he was confident? Yes, I mean, he came humbly, he came in a manger, he came among us as one who serves, but he was confident. When the moment called for him to step up, he did, he was confident. And you and I are gonna need a lot more than just opportunities, we need confidence. So not only first, confidence in Christ, but secondly, confidence before Christ. Confidence before Christ. And you might wonder what I mean by that, but what, I, what I'm talking about with that is the place of prayer. The uh, scripture says in Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach the throne of grace with boldness, and one translation says with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Now, that kind of prayer doesn't mean that I come in my prayer closet and I tell God what to do. No. It means I come in my prayer closet realizing that all the potential of heaven and earth is in that place, that God is there. And he says, call unto me and I'll show you great and unsearchable things that you know not. And he invites us to that. So in those moments, nothing is too difficult. Dawson Trotman, the great discipler, of, of young believers that helped Billy Graham disciple the people that he was winning to Christ, Dawson Trotman said, you, you Christians, too often you, you only pray about small things. He said, you pray about your laundry list of needs. You pray about the cold that you're struggling with. God cares about your cold, but he also cares about continents of people that are lost. 
And the same God that you call out to for your cold and the relief from it can bring the remedy that is needed by the, con- the continents. So that challenged me when I heard that, to, to be confident before Christ. You know, sometimes we almost maybe feel like we have to apologize when we pray. Um, that for me to ask God for bold things, and if I do that, then I'm taking away from you. As if he only has a limited supply. Now, I believe as God blesses us, we're to become more and more of a blessing because we're blessed to be a blessing. I mean, that going all the way back to Israel, you're going to be a blessing to the families of the nations of the earth. That is the heart of it. But God is able to do that by his power. So he wants you to be confident before Christ. When we come before him knowing that he loves us, knowing that he's the one that said to his disciples, up until now, you haven't asked for anything. He said, ask, you'll receive. Your joy will be full. I want your joy to be full. God cares about our joy. The, uh, the end of Hebrews 10 says, so do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. What he has promised. Some of you there that are here tonight, you've been praying about some things for a long time. Some of you, you prayed for a child or a grandchild, and you've been praying, and you've been knocking on that door, and are you like me, or there's sometimes when you want to say, Lord, do you remember where I live? You know, Lord, do you, do you have my email? You know, <laughs> because there are times when it will feel like the answer is lingering, but that's the most important time to hold on to God. That's the most important time to trust in his promise. See, because in those moments, we can't rely on the answer, but on the one who can bring the answer. And he loves that. And I do believe there are times when God will will allow the answer to be withheld. So that, please hear this, so that we serve a God for whom we're not only interested in what he has in his hand for us, but we want to see his face. We want to look, have you ever felt at times with your kids, you know, Christmas is coming and, uh, you know, and they have the, the Christmas wish list. You know, when God touched and healed our granddaughter last July and she was born and God helped her and it's just an amazing miracle. And so a number of you have heard me share it. You know, when Christmas came this year, my kids said, Dad, we keep checking the wish list. You haven't had anything. I said, I can't, you know, I've got everything. You know, when God touched this little girl, that just filled my soul. I said, it's it's just hard for me to think about what else to ask for. So God wants us to be confident before Christ. And that means when we come before him, not coming in telling God what to do, but coming in without hindrance. It's like when, when I was pastoring in Boston, one night I had a board meeting, and I was a young pastor and still a little uncertain about leading these board meetings and all of a sudden my three-year-old Robbie came bursting in the door he said dad 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 and he ran up to me and in my you know nervous adult mode I apologized profusely to the board and the board member said oh pastor don't worry about it this is the most interesting part of the meeting tonight (laughs) but what I love is Robbie didn't wonder if his dad would receive him when he came through the door 
even though a part of me wanted to wring his neck, you know. Um, he came because what? With him, there wasn't a board meeting in the room. His dad was in that room. And when you go to your prayer closet, your dad is in that room. Your father is in that room. He cares about you. He loves you with an everlasting love. What's an everlasting love? That's a love that loves you so much it's never going to stop loving you. Isn't that the kind of love that the world needs? We get to share that. And for us to share it, we must be confident in Christ. We must be confident before Christ. You say, but Dr. Crosby, how do you you turn that confidence switch on? Because sometimes I feel lacking in confidence and uncertain and insecure. So do I. Join the club. I mean, yes, that happens. But it's in those times that we get to practice what the Word of God teaches about renewing our minds with the Word of God. Instead of living by the scripts of Saul, oh, you're too young, you're not going to be able to, we live by the scripture, and we listen to what God has said. So, confident in Christ, confident before Christ. But then the last one is this, God wants you to be confident for Christ, Confident in Christ. He's, he's my savior. He's my conqueror. He's my rescuer. Lord, I'm lost without you. I'm empty without you. I'm nothing without you. I'm desperate for you. So confident in Christ. Confident before him that I can come before him with every need and nothing is too difficult for God. So many times when we got those ultrasound reports on that ranch out, everything looked so negative, and God just kept inspiring us and helping us to trust and believe. Where do boldness and confidence come from? Acts 4.13 says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. They recognize that they had been with Jesus. Do you know that's the one thing about the Christian faith that there is no way you could ever fake? That's being with Jesus. You can't put that on. And I would tell you, I believe, if you ask me, what what do you think is the deepest need that people have today in the world? And I believe it's to realize how loved they are by God. For God not only loved, but he so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. And we think about all he did on the cross and how that was so important to fulfill righteousness. But, but with all of that, don't get lost just in the doctrine of it, but hear the heart of it. He came for you. He came as a rescuer. We have a generation of people today that the latest superhero movie that comes out just makes a billion dollars. They want to go and see people perform miracles and and rescues and saving people out of trouble. And There is no rescue mission like the incarnation of Jesus Christ. He came into the world to save people. You know, one of David's psalms, I believe it's Psalm 18, he talks about how he prayed and how the heavens started to rumble. And things started to happen and, and how the Lord came on a cloud and swooped down to rescue him. He said, you stooped down to raise me up. It sounds like a superhero movie when I read it. But the only thing is all the others are pointing to it. This is the real thing. The real thing. It's about you and your, your soul. 
God wants you confident. Not putting it on, but drawing it out of his presence. Knowing Jesus, when you're with Jesus, you're going to be more confident. Why? Because perfect love casts out all fear. I used to think that that meant whenever I get to the place that I love people perfectly, then I'll have no fear. I don't think that's what it means. I think it's when we realize how perfectly loved we are. Because when you're around someone who you know loves you, you're not fearful. You're not worried. You're not anxious. That's a safe place to be. So confident in Christ. Confident before Christ in prayer. And confident for him in the way we live our lives. You say, but what about tomorrow morning when I go to work and that same person that irritates me so much speaks up, you know, and says something hurtful. And I feel that anxiousness. I pray in that moment the Holy Spirit will say, don't be anxious about anything. But pray about everything and present your petitions to God. And the peace of God that transcends all human understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Let anxiety be a prayer trigger to remind you to pray. I think anxiety at times, and, and there's certain, certainly there are many, many cases of clinical anxiety, clinical depression that I believe do need to be diagnosed, treated effectively. But I also think sometimes the initial stages that we need to be able to utilize not, not a prescription, but a scripture, the word of God. That would be the first place to go, to begin to use those. And then as there are challenges and issues that are more chronic, God has provided tools and resources and means to help with that by his grace. And I believe that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. And he wants us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I love what Martin Luther said. He said, pray and let God worry. Pray and let God worry. We know he's not going to worry because he's got everything under control. But we're going to pray for confidence and we're going to pray for boldness. And now, Lord, the scripture says in Acts 4, look upon the threats around us and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Lord, I praise you because in this room, you see every heart, you see every life, you see every need. You see the, the state of our soul, and it matters to you. You care. You care because you want us to be alive in you. You want us to know your joy. You want us to know your peace. The only way people are going to feel the peace of God from our lives is if we're dwelling in it. The only way they're going to sense the word of God out of our lives is if we're reading it and learning it. The only way they're going to sense the peace of God around us is if we're learning how to walk in the peace of God. So as we pray, with every head bowed, every eye closed, just being with Jesus in this moment. Jesus said so many things to our hearts because he wants them to be full of him. Christianity may work in your mind when it comes to understanding sin, repentance, forgiveness, our need for a Savior, forgiveness from our sins. But 
with the Lord, he wants it to overflow. He wants there to be a fullness. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and life to the full. Joy unspeakable and full of glory. And it starts with being confident in Christ. If you're here tonight and you say, you know, I need to be more confident in the Lord, in my relationship with him. I get pulled in so many directions and it affects my thinking and I just want to really center and focus my life on my relationship with Jesus. If that's you, you'd like prayer for that, just raise your hand right where you are. I just know I need to be more centered in on him. A number of you tonight, a number of you. And then there are those of you that say, you know, it's really the prayer area. I think sometimes it maybe I've looked at prayer as a perfunctory duty and not a glorious opportunity that my dad is in that room. And I want my prayer life to get richer and stronger. If that's you, just raise your hand. Is that place of prayer a number of you, a number of you, put your hand right back down. And then those of you that say it's in the area of witness. I want to be able, when God speaks, I want to be able to do what he tells me to do and to say what he wants me to say without hesitation because of being confident for him. I want to, like the disciples who were persecuted, I want to pray that in that moment when the opportunity comes, that I'll be bold, that I'll be confident. If that's you and you just really are wanting to step up in the area of witness for Christ, just raise your hand right where you are. I need that boldness. Let's stand to our feet. Let's stand to our feet and we're going to open these altars for prayer. And I want to encourage you tonight. I want to encourage you. I know it's Wednesday night. I know Wednesday night, sometimes maybe we can, in our thinking, in our lives, we can say, well, we're sort of riding in neutral. But we don't want to ride in neutral when it comes to our walk with Jesus, when it comes to being bold for him. You know, it may be the witness on Thursday that's the most unexpected witness. It may be loving someone in Jesus' name on Thursday or Tuesday that touches their heart. So it is vital that we be alive in him. So just about everyone in the room, I think it was almost like a third of each uh, of the, the room for each of those three raised their hands. So that tells me that the Holy Spirit is speaking tonight about confidence in Christ. I want to invite you to do what the disciples did, and that's... Pray for me that in the hour of opportunity that I would be bold. Bold and confident in my walk with God. Bold and confident in my prayer life. And bold and confident in my witness. As we open up these altars, let me encourage you to come. And just take a moment to stand here and just pray. Let's come together as a church. Just move right out from where you are. Don't even hesitate. So many of you raised your hand. And let's come. Men and women, step out. Move beyond the things that would hold you away from it. There's something about coming together to pray. And we're going to ask that the Lord would blanket us with a fresh sense of his confidence, a fresh sense of boldness in our approaching him. And I believe that he's going to do that by his spirit. Let's draw close.
come tonight saying that I need you more would you just in your own way let him know Lord I need you need you so desperately so deeply in every area of my life who am I fooling if I act like I don't need you who am I fooling if I act that you're not the source of life itself Peter said who else do we have to go to who has the words of eternal life I have no one to turn to for that but you so, Lord, you are our all in all. We need you. I need you. So let him know. I need you desperately. I need you deeply. I need you as a man of God, as a woman of God. I need you as a father, as a mom, as a husband, as a wife. I need you. I need you as a citizen of this community to represent you, Lord. I need you, your presence. You are the all in all. Lord, help us to be aware when we get off track and we allow ourselves to live with Saul's scripts and thinking about the things that we can't do and how many things we're not able to do. And just help us to remember when that happens to say, that's right, I'm not able to do it without God. But through him, nothing is too difficult. All things are possible. God has never looked for a person who in whom he was impressed with all their talents and skills and abilities. He's looked for people who are willing, who are surrendered, who are yielded. The problem has not been getting them equipped. The challenge has been getting them to go to their knees and to say, Lord, I need you now. Ready me, equip me, fill me, use me for your glory. Lord, forgive us of thinking so often too much about ourselves and not you and your kingdom and your will and the needs of others and that's where the joy is that's where the peace is that's where the life is when we live beyond ourselves and we begin to step into the purpose of God the will of God the plan of God the kingdom of God Lord we praise you for those tonight that are here saying my relationship with Jesus needs to be deeper it needs to be more a focus of my life in a moment, we're all going to pray a prayer together. 
I want to invite all of you to pray it because there's something about whenever we pray with people to receive Christ or to recommit themselves to Christ, it's almost like we're citing uh, a creed because we're freshly saying again, I surrender to you. And it's a good thing not only to repent, but to live life with an attitude of repentance. That I want my confidence to be in Christ. So I'm going to ask you to pray right after me. Dear God, I need you so desperately. I am lost without you. I am nothing without you. But you came for me to rescue me, to show me that I am your beloved one, that you love me with a love that will never stop. Help me to hear that. Help me to believe that. Help me to receive that. I give my sin to you. Wash it away by your blood. And teach me to live your way. Not mine. To do your will and not mine. Lord, fill me with your spirit. I hunger and thirst for you. And I ask you to help me to be confident in Christ. And then to be confident before you in prayer. But then to be confident for you in a world that needs you. I thank you because you are my confidence. And I want to walk with you. Every step of the day. Even on Tuesday and Thursday. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Look up here just one moment, if you will. You know, I took you to Detroit a little while ago and told you that I was with a group of urban students and that I was sort of shaking in my boots. And, uh, you know, Napoleon had one of his soldiers that he loved because he was so fearless, but his knees would shake before he would go into battle. And he would literally speak, Napoleon said he would speak to his knees and said, you're shaking now, but if you could see where I was taking you, you would really be shaking. So sort of taking hold of that for which God has taken hold of us. Well, when I was standing in that place and praying and not knowing what was going to happen and feeling increasingly suburban, I felt the Lord say to me, this is not about you. You need to turn your back on you and you need to step forward with me. And, you know, I heard a pastor not long ago that said every Sunday when he preaches, he gets butterflies. You know, people, a lot of people don't like to do public speaking. Believe it or not, there are pastors that get butterflies. Billy Graham said he always got butterflies before he spoke. And this one pastor is actually Craig Groeschel, and he said, every time I speak, I have to say, all right, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. And he says that, and then he steps forward, and then he preaches. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And he steps forward. So that something like that is what happened that night. I prayed in the spirit and I felt something deep within me that said, go for it. (laughs) You know, rip your heart open, be bold. So instead of getting up and saying, "Uh, I'm just wondering, you know, you guys have heard the gospel. Didn't know if maybe some of you wanted to make a commitment to Jesus. Instead, I got up. And I began to say things that were kind of scaring me. I said, you know, some of you walked into this room sort of with a a swag as you came in the room and like you own the place and all that. And you probably have all these different things you're doing and you might feel powerful, but I want to tell you about tonight 
about the person that is the most powerful one in the world. And I want to tell you about something that's more powerful than power, and it's the love of God. And I was saying these things, I'm like, I might not get out of here alive. <laughs> and at the end, I gave an altar appeal, and I said, I want to encourage you. You want to make a commitment to Christ? Come. Come and just take a stand here tonight. And you could tell that there were gang leaders in the room for whom the others were watching what the gang leaders were going to do. Well, about 30 seconds went by, and I'm praying, and all of a sudden, one of the gang members got up, and he sort of just started sauntering down to the altar. And then a couple more, and a couple more, and a couple more, until almost the whole room came forward to receive Jesus. Amen. And it was a, it was a God thing. What amazed me the most about it was how ill-prepared I was for it, but how fully prepared the Holy Spirit was for it. And that's, those are the kind of places God wants to get us into, where unless a miracle happens, we're not going to get out. And that's the book of Acts, on and on and on again, confidence. God wants you to be confident. It doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, what your background is, what kind of family you were raised in. All that matters is the greatness of the God that you touch every time you walk into that room and you know that your dad is in that room. And he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let's give him a clap offering of praise. And let's, uh, let's live Thursday as confident believers. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Have a great rest of the week. Here I am to worship. Here I am to bow down. Here I am to stay.